unless, you know, don't drink a whiskey sour if you're pregnant or a <laughs> child. Um, <laughs> or very, very Official elderly. recommendation. Yeah. I got a brand new sweetie, better than the one before. Oh, she's got everything and a little bit more. I don't know much about her, and yet I know a lot and what it takes that make me love. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Everyday Drinking, a podcast about cocktails and cocktail culture, hosted by yours truly, Callum Marsh. And I am Julia Haste. And Julia Haste as well. <laughs> That's that, I'm going to change the official title on the on the podcast websites to say uh-huh. with Callum Marsh and Julia Haste as well. Yeah, just it'll be Callum Marsh and then several <laughs> in a, in several small, like spaces yeah, down. In a tiny little font. And then if if they scroll down far enough in like size seven font, it'll be like Julia's also there. <laughs> Today. For episode three, uh, we're back to Julia. Julia is going to choose a cocktail for us. Uh, This is another one of her favorite cocktails, Mm -hmm. and it is the Whiskey Sour, if I'm Mm -hmm. not mistaken. You know, a classic. Um, If this is your first time tuning in, uh, basically our whole mandate here is to take one of our favorite cocktails every episode and break it down, talk about the history, how it came into our lives, and why it is spectacular. Um, I chose the whiskey sour uh, partially because it is a real enigma wrapped in a, you know, in a dream, wrapped in a legend, uh, and also because we had all the ingredients needed for making this cocktail. <laughs> um, it's pragmatic. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. pragmatic. So yeah. this whiskey sour, um, where, where, I mean, it's, a, it's such a classic cocktail that it almost seems redundant to ask this, but wh- do you have a, a specific memory of when you first had one or when you were introduced to it? Um, I think it was one of those cocktails that um, I discovered kind of later on in my... It was one of the very first, uh, you know, drinks that came into my repertoire as like a 19-year-old college student. Mm. Um, Before that, uh, previously, it was pretty much just whatever could mask the flavor of alcohol the most. I always thought of whiskey sour as a really like cool old man drink that he'd have (laughs) in a saloon and that it was like super like gritty and hard to drink. And then one day... I had one for whatever reason, just at like a you know probably a dance cave in Toronto or something like that. I was like, oh, this is actually um, you know pretty palatable for someone that is not used to liquor yet. And I think it was one of those one of the drinks that I discovered that whiskey is not disgusting. <laughs> I think when I was a bit afraid of alcohol, I always assumed that vodka would be the most easy drinking alcohol because it was clear, and then whiskey would be really harsh and unpleasant to drink. And I think the whiskey sour was a very uh, had a very big hand in me realizing that that was not the case. That actually whiskey is a pretty nice, uh, you know, drink all in of itself, and especially with when mixed with ginger ale or with uh, some very over sugary bar lime or bar lemon. Yeah. Uh, that was, and I think I'm probably not alone in that. Uh, that that was my introduction to whiskey sours was just like a shot of whiskey, a shit ton of ice. And then, like, just buckets of that artificial bar lime that comes in the two-liter yeah, bu- yeah, just bottles that bar lime, of syrup right. um, that are absolutely disgusting. Well, you disgusting. can get a whiskey sour at, like, a nightclub. You know, yeah. like, you can get a whiskey sour at a, a crap, like, the diviest bars you go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it has, it always, I always associate it with the, the, a few different kinds of cocktails that are 
not cocktails that I particularly want to order, but they're the first cocktails that come to mind. And under the pressure of a bartender asking you what you want, you might yeah. be like, uh, Tom Collins. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Tom Collins is terrible. But it's just in my head as like a classic cocktail, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great scene in the Whit Stillman movie, The Last is a Disco, where Chloe Sevigny is uh, with Kate Beckinsale at this nightclub. And uh, the guy comes over to her, works at the club, and her, uh, the guy that she's with has been ejected, but uh, he's gotten her a drink, and he's gotten her a vodka tonic. Mm-hmm. And she says, "That's a, you know, how did he know that I would drink vodka tonics? And the bar guy's like, oh, it's uncanny. Who knows? And she's like, are you saying that all women of a certain type just drink vodka tonics? <laughs> and so when it comes to ordering another drink, <laughs> he, she says, no, I think I'll have a whiskey sour. And then Kate Beckinsale says, you don't have to order some weirdo drink just to make yourself <laughs> seem cool and interesting. But I always think of that as like, you're just trying to think of a more interesting drink and you're like, a whiskey sound? Mm-hmm. It's the combination of two very badass sounding words. Yes. Like whiskey sour. Yeah, it's evocative, but it also vague in a vague way. Mm-hmm. So you're like, yeah, whiskey sour, you can kind of, it brings to mind certain things. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you're like, what does that entail? Whiskey and sour yeah <laughs> so well so, so with that in mind we we got we get we gotta get you to make one of these for us mm-hmm. so um we would normally make these cocktails in our makeshift podcast recording studio mm-hmm. it's uh it's not gonna be feasible so we're gonna quickly move over mm-hmm. and you can make us one yeah Okay, so you will find us now on location uh, in my kitchen, hence why the sound might be a little bit different. Um, we're going to be making uh, a whiskey sour right now, and the reason that I wanted to relocate for this is because I need a lot of shaking room and I need a lot of table room because there's a lot of moving parts here. Um, the whiskey sour is a very, uh, you know, debated cocktail. There's a lot of different iterations, a lot of different ratios, and a lot of different ingredients. Um, and yeah, a lot of different takes on the whiskey sour, depending on who you ask. Obviously, we're going to get into that uh, later. What I'm going to be making is known as a Boston sour. Um, and the reason, basically the differentiation of a Boston sour versus a classic whiskey sour or a New York sour or any other sour is the addition of egg white, um, which is somewhat divisive. Uh, but I'm going to be doing it today. Now, they say that you can add however little or much of egg white that you like. I'm going to be adding about a half an ounce per uh, whiskey sour. And I'm making two, so I'm going to add an ounce. Um, I have added it, you know, I've separated them ahead of time. I'm going to be measuring this out right now. Now, here's the kind of big bartending tip. I was really surprised to find that a lot of the recipes called for putting absolutely everything in the shaker with the ice and shaking it all up together immediately. However, if you've ever made a lemon meringue pie or any other kind of meringue, you will know that you need to get a cold metal bowl and make sure that it is completely dry with no possible contamination uh, of water because that will uh, prevent it from getting all frothy and uh, lathered up the way that we want to do it. So the real trick is to get it into your shaker, do what is known as a dry shake ahead of time for, you know, 10, 15 seconds or whatever, and, uh, and then add the rest of your ingredients and shake it up the rest of the way. And then you have a Boston sour. So that's what I'm going to do now. I'm realizing this is kind of like that epi- the, uh, the sack lunch bunch where it's Jake Gyllenhaal doing the things that make sound. And I'm about to do something <laughs> that makes absolutely like little to no sound. Uh, Let's but see it. Let's see it. Check this out. It makes quite a sound. 
apologize in, if everyone's eardrums are being completely devastated by this noise. What? <laughs> okay, so Julia's completed that shaking process. It looks fantastic. Looks, looks like a little looks meringue. Looks like a, a meringue, that's right. Okay. <gasps> okay, now we're adding our bourbon. Two ounces per, We are technically using Jack Daniels, which, as anyone will tell you, is not actually bourbon. Tennessee whiskey, instead, yeah. not made in Kentucky. Uh, a couple but kilometers away from me. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna let it slide for this particular cocktail Ooh. experience. Two ounces of bourbon. Julia's like completely out of breath right now Shut from that up. shaking. That's like absolutely just. I went for a run. <laughs> which, of course, Where? which you, for which you use your biceps and shoulders. Uh, uh, you do and... if you're doing it right. <laughs> okay. One ounce of lemon juice. Do you want some time to recover before you... Uh, whoops. Uh, and that much sugar that I just lobbed into the shaker. Whew. Okay. Catch your breath. Shut up. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, I forgot the ice. <laughs> Throw some ice in there. Now, Julia, is it conventional to put ice in after the ingredients in a cocktail shaker? It can be. Good. If you like, if you're me. Some great shaking going on here. Now, do we want ice in the glasses or 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 not? Uh, it's up to you. I'm gonna put some ice in the glass. So here we got the whiskey sour. So you would normally garnish with a cherry, an orange as well, or cherry no? and an orange. Yeah. A cherry and an orange. Okay, so garnishless whiskey sour. Ooh, delicious! Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Could stand to be a little sweeter, actually. I think it's perfect. Yeah, fair I love enough. The it's very bourbon forward. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Excellent body, delicious taste, and the cocktail's not bad. Oh, uh, I knew it. Okay. Oh, that was so much fun. I loved going to my kitchen. Uh, what a seamless transition. Rolls. My kitchen does roll. Um, yeah, so you may be aware of the fact that the drink that we just made is not exactly the same as the standard uh, bar fare that we were talking about or the... Uh, the emblematic drink of college kids coming into yeah, their own. Yeah, this is gourmet. They're not mm -hmm. making this at the at the dive bar. Callum, it would be my honor to tell you about the history of I, the I, whiskey And sour. I can genuinely say I have absolutely no fucking idea where mm. this cocktail originates, mm. what its story is. I could guess. It's, it's a whiskey cocktail, so yeah. I'm guessing that it's quite old. Mm-hmm. Um, is it like a turn-of-the-century thing? Yeah, so basically, um, where to begin? Uh, this was uh, a very popular drink. We're going back to just the idea of the sour in general. Mm. Um, this was a very popular drink amongst sailors, particularly British sailors. Um, you know, it was dating back to like the 1700s when it was very difficult to uh, travel and have anything to, safe to eat or drink. Um, nice. And, uh, you know, so a lot of the time they would be drinking alcohol because they wouldn't have any source of fresh clean, safe to drink water. Mm. Um, so That's basically, why I also drink alcohol. Yeah, 
because of all your conspiracy <laughs> theories about like what they're putting in the water <laughs> in right. Canada. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, the you know the, the captains of these ships or the people you know in charge of these voyages um, would have barrels and barrels of, usually of rum. Um, you know, as was the you know yeah, the trend at the time, mm -hmm. um, they would usually end up watering it down with you know some safe to drink water, and then also the uh, the sailors were rationed with uh, lemons and limes to prevent scurvy. Hence, limey, the the term for Brits. This yeah. is where it comes from. It's yes. the limes that they would use to prevent scurvy. Precisely. I didn't know that. I had no idea that it tied into whiskey sours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, because basically they would, you know, put together this kind of, you know, it has enough acid, enough safe water, and enough alcohol for it to kind of preserve itself. Mm -hmm. And so it was a safe thing to drink. They also watered it down so that their crew wouldn't just be completely, you know, blitzed the entire time. Um, and so that was the, uh, or, like, the origin of a sour drink, like a sour alcohol drink in general. Um, I'm going to look up, oh yeah, it was, uh, once it got back to Britain, it was very popular to be done with gin and brandy, um, as well as rum. Uh, but once it found it w its way to America, they were much more fond of whiskey in the 1800s. Um, so this was something that, you know, colloquially uh, originated in the 1700s, but it was first written down in the 1862 book, The Bartender's Guide by Jerry Thomas. Of course. And that Jerry was, Thomas, Sailor Jerry. You would think. And no? I had the same thought, because he is a sailor and his name is Jerry, but Sailor Jerry is not. Okay, but there is, there is a Jerry Thomas cocktail bar in Rome. Oh, really? It's one of the best cocktail bars in the entire world. Oh, nice. Sailor, uh, not Sailor Jerry, sorry. Jerry Thomas Cocktail Bar. Um, but I, I, I totally made that mistake. I, I, I even went to the Jerry Thomas Cocktail Bar. It's a secret bar. You need to uh -huh. answer a trivia question mm -hmm. on their website, mm -hmm. and, if, and you can email them the answer. They change it every day. And if you get the answer correct, they'll email you the password to get in. It's unmarked door in, in the middle of Rome. Anyway, Jerry Thomas... I completely wrongly assumed was the same t Jerry of, of Sailor Jerry. Well, because I was reading this as well, and I had the same thought, so I looked it up. But apparently, uh, Sailor Jerry is the nickname of a tattoo artist named yeah, Norman. Yeah, he's, he's the guy that came up with those tattoos. Yeah. I just assumed it was the same guy. Yeah, well, it makes sense. you know, that's fair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Jerry Thomas mm -hmm. wrote this down. Yeah, he was the first guy to write it down. Um, and the uh, original Whiskey Sour, uh, here's the recipe. It is, use small bar glass. Take one large teaspoonful of powdered white sugar dissolved in a little seltzer or apple and maris water, uh, the juice of half of a small lemon, one wine glass full of bourbon or rye whiskey, Ooh. and then fill the glass with shaved ice, shake up and strain into a claret glass, and ornament with berries. Why didn't you make that for us? Because, I don't know, I like the, I like the egg white. <laughs> um, and also there's as many, you know, whiskey sour recipes as there are people, bartenders. Yeah, there. no doubt. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so the egg was added later once that be kind of became the trend in the 20th century to shake everything up with an egg white to make it all frothy and nice. I, I will say I really like the idea of serving this in a claret glass. Mm. It kind of makes perfect sense. It visually, I feel like it would be really appealing, mm -hmm. especially if you've got, how much, how much whiskey is this? A wine glass full of whiskey? Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah, so claret glass is enormous, hugely wide brimmed. Mm -hmm. This is like, claret is the, the British term for Bordeaux. Right. In case anyone doesn't know that. It's the, the Bordeaux glass is like hugely, hugely wide. Mm -hmm. And uh, not too dissimilar from what we're drinking in. Yeah. Admittedly. Um, but that's great. I love that idea. That sounds really appealing. Yeah. I did think about doing that, but yeah. I do even have powdered sugar, but I just really wanted to do the egg white, especially because... No, I love the egg white. So w where did the egg white come in? Like, where is this? Um, where where are we getting closer to what we're drinking? Yeah, it was added a bit later. I think it, there was a big trend of adding egg white in the 20th century, in the early, like probably around 
pre-prohibition era. That's me totally guessing. Um, but uh, yeah, and there's like it's a little bit controversial. A lot of people are a bit paranoid about salmonella it, involved in like raw egg white. Everything I've looked up basically says that your odds of getting salmonella from a from like a half ounce of raw egg white is just like it would involve the hen being infected with salmonella, laying the egg, them not cleaning the egg, and then you basically like rub it and, and then the egg breaking. Like what, when you get it from the grocery store, the egg would mm. then break, and then the outside of the egg, because basically the salmonella wouldn't be in the egg itself, allegedly, according to my limited <laughs> research, it would be on the outside of the shell. So you would have to break the egg and let it sit there broken for a little while, let the germs get in there, not refrigerate your eggs, and then you might get salmonella. I think we should minimize references to salmonella. I think that uh, I'm it's just not saying an association. That any bartender worth their salt will tell you that that is just not. It's not just not going to happen. Mm. And it's even less, if you're really paranoid about it, the best way to uh, kind of avoid it is to get farm fresh eggs um, and refrigerate them. And uh, yeah, you know, people that take good care of their chickens and have it be fair, as fresh as possible. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, not really a, not a concern. If you're willing to eat like, you know, uh, rare steak or whatever else, like it's kind of like your immune system will probably take care of it unless... You know, don't drink a whiskey sour if you're pregnant or a <laughs> child, um, <laughs> or very very official elderly. recommendation. Apparently, it's really cool. This little scientific fact: um, uh, acid from oops, uh, acid from the citrus juice. Sorry, <laughs> uh, acid from the citrus juice uh, strengthens the bonds between the protein strands in the egg whites, while the sugar elevates the viscosity of the water in the egg white. Um, so all of the ingredients actually work together to make this kind of this frothy, thick, creamy drink as opposed to just a standard, uh, you know, whiskey sour. I can't believe you remembered that all off the top of your head. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit of a scientist. Uh, another popular iteration of the, uh, of the whiskey sour is the New York sour, which is basically a classic uh, whiskey sour. So just for reference, a classic whiskey sour, two ounces of bourbon, one ounce of lemon, and then like half-ish an ounce of simple syrup. I was trained to make it with uh, half an ounce of simple syrup and half an ounce of uh, triple sec, but that was in some dive bar where we used bar line as well. Um, but that will be your classic uh, whiskey sour experience. The New York sour is that with a quarter ounce of red wine floated on top what? to give it like kind of a tequila sunrisey kind of look. Apparently I, I have never thing. even seen that. Have you seen that before? I have not. Not until the research for this very day. Yeah, but is this like, what, like in the 19th century they did this? Or if you no. go to New York right now and order one? Yeah, no, it's, a, oh. it's there. Interesting. You know, if you look up a New York sour, there's lots of recipes online. I guess it's something that people like. I don't think it's a very common drink. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is because you can also hear the jingling of my glass as I get to the bottom of the whiskey sour, which I'm sure has nothing to do with my losing my train of thought. Uh, but... Uh, people uh, very frequently say that this, along with quite a few other uh, kind of very basic cocktails, are modeled after the standard recipe for a punch, which is a very popular, you know, one of the first kind of cocktails, I'm giving big air quotes here, in like the 17th, 18th century, it became very popular amongst like, you know, British dudes, you know, you, I think like, like high class, you know, British dudes, of course, like, me. like, like yourself. Um, you know, would basically make big batch cocktails. The, uh, the lore that may or may not, is not really provable, is that this is when they were colonizing India in like the 18th century or so, and so the name punch comes from the fact that allegedly the word uh, punch sounds a little bit like the Hindi word for five, and every good punch has five standard ingredients, 
which is acid, such as, uh, you know, uh, lemon juice of some sort, the booze, the sugar, uh, the sweet of some sort of other juice, and then spice. Usually nutmeg was the most popular mm -hmm. thing. And so this was a very popular kind of drinking experience for Brits at that time was these big batch cocktails that would be in a big punch bowl, essentially. And so a lot of these cocktails were modeled after this kind of classic standard punch with the same ratios, the same flavor profiles. Right, yeah. Um, and yeah, sure. whiskey sour is a very good. Or pisco sour, gin sour, brandy sour are all kind of modeled after well, that recipe. Well, it's not a punch, obviously, but a martini used to be served conventionally as a what they call a long cocktail, a long mm -hmm. drink, as mm -hmm. opposed to a short drink. A short drink is a drink you make individually like one-off right. and a long drink is a drink you make in a batch yeah so most people don't know this but if you were making a martini at your home for a dinner party in like the 20th century at any point you would be making a pitcher of martinis right. which is what i would still do now if i were having people over mm -hmm. um but the last time i went to someone's dinner party and i proposed making a pitcher of martinis they looked at me like i was completely insane mm -hmm. uh, it's basically just pouring a giant bottle of of gin into a pitcher of uh, a jug of water um and putting a bunch of ice in it but yeah that the the long drink and the punch absolutely yeah very british very traditional mm -hmm. um makes way more sense if you're hosting like yeah. you know what this comes from culturally is like if you were say having people over for dinner mm -hmm. in, the, in the same way that you would have like when you had dinner you would be dressed in evening wear or mm -hmm. formal wear you know, you would have this kind of this procedure of having a long cocktail, like a martini or mm -hmm. a punch, uh, and then you'd have dinner and you'd have your wine, you'd have your white wine, and you'd have your red wine, and then you'd have your port for dessert. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very much part of that that kind of thing, and I could see whiskey sour being like the perfect perfect version of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that uh, this could also mark the advent of bar culture becoming a thing around that time. Whereas, like, you know, all these drinks that are getting converted, this is total speculation, uh, <laughs> getting converted into a kind of a single serve kind of version of the popular punch because they can't obviously just make a big bowl of punch. Yeah, no, at a bar, at a of bar. course. Yeah, of course. A long drink at, like, it's a martini is another good example. Yeah, mm. if you have a long version of a martini at home, at a bar, you're having a short version. Right. making you a martini to order. Mm -hmm. um, and similarly, yeah, whiskey, whiskey sour is clearly a bar format drink. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it, the tradition has carried on till today. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is that this kind of fell out of favor after, you know, Prohibition and then World War II, that whole kind of era where we lost a lot of our classic cocktails for a little while because, mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, living on limited means and then, you know, beer or whatever else might become more popular. And uh, once it, it kind of came back on the scene in the 50s and 60s, but that was around the time that a lot of this kind of bar culture stuff was getting kind of modernized in the way that like, you know, fast food and mass produced, like all that stuff was like the way of the future where, you know, like breakfast cereals, pre-mixed this and that, mm -hmm. or like, you know, TV dinners, that kind of thing, where that was not like the cheap version of things, that was like the futuristic cool version of things. Mm -hmm. And so in that context, it became the cool thing in a bar to have the pre-mix that you would like buy in bulk and have it already re made and ready to go. Like that was thought of as a really cool progressive thing. Mm -hmm. So basically that was the advent of like bar line was in the 50s and 60s. And so um, that was when the whiskey sour stopped be being a kind of bespoke cocktail and became this kind of standard in any 
whatever bar you went into, you just get like the premix bar lime and the whiskey. Yeah, um, together. Got, I mean, and that's still true. You got your three dollar kind of three dollar yeah. bar rail whiskey sour. And if that's the kind of whiskey sour you like, it is readily available <laughs> at any you know, you know whatever bar right, you go but into. If you go to a fancy cocktail bar. Yeah. And you order whiskey, they're going to make it with egg white. They're going to make it properly. Yeah. And so the advent, like, so the whiskey sour kind of came back into its own in its original state in the 90s when, you know, cocktail culture started to come back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, where, so what's your, what's your, what, what do you love about this cocktail? What's, what's the, the heart of your affection for it? Um, I think it's a perfectly balanced cocktail. It's so, it's easy drinking. Um, I have not gotten scurvy as an adult, but I have to attribute it to the whiskey <laughs> sour. It's it's really fucking strong. It's yeah. very strong. And it, it's it, booze it, forward. It's very boozy. I love um, that. I'd rather die than order a whiskey sour with bar lime at any time, you know, in, you know, in my adulthood, having not, you know, like, you know, graduated from that level of, <laughs> of uh, I would way rather have a whiskey soda than that. But it, an actual good tried and true whiskey sour, it's hard to beat. Um, honestly, it's just kind of a classic, and it is the balance of sour, sweet, and boozy. Like the, boo- it's very booze forward, um, and yeah, it's a pretty, pretty simple, perfect thing, and that's why it's survived low these three hundred years. Yeah, no kidding. So, supposing you're going to a fancy cocktail bar mm-hmm. and you're ordering one, yeah, what's the what's the giveaway that they've done it well? What are the thing? What are you hoping to see? What are you hoping not to see? Mm. Obviously, bar lime is out of the question. Obviously, yeah. Um, honestly, it, it is such a simple thing that I don't want any bells and whistles added on. Um, I I don't know. It depends on whether they have their own version of it or if they're just like making it because they know how to do it. Um, I do not want it to be excessively sweet. Um, and I would, you know what is great is when they just ask you questions, like follow-up questions, like do you like rye or bourbon? Do you mm-hmm. like it with the egg white or without the egg white? Well, this Whatever is the thing. Is. It seems like there's so many possible variations on this that maybe you order one and they give it to you and there's no egg white and it's rye and it's super sour mm-hmm. and you're like, this sucks. Or, I mean, mm-hmm. ma- what, what, what are your preferences here? Um, are you kind of open to the to the changes or you feel like there's a good one and there's like a, a non-good one? I'm open to whatever iteration. Like I, I, the majority of whiskey sours I drink don't have egg white in them because it's just a pain in the butt, and mm. uh, I don't go to, I don't or, end up ordering it at a lot of very nice cocktail bars. Um, and uh, I mean, I don't even really order it that much to begin with. Really, it's kind of just a go-to, easy drink to make. Like a lot of times, it's something that I'll make for myself because um, I have all the ingredients and it's fairly easy. Um, but I think. Yeah, the nicest thing you can do is just kind of be like, like check in with the person and be like, what version of a whiskey sour do you want? Because <laughs> there's no right or wrong with a whiskey sour other than, you know, no bar lime. Bar lime sucks. But even then, if that's what you got at your bar, like if you're at a bar where you're like, look, you know where you are right now. <laughs> We're not squeezing the limes to order or whatever. Then, like, you know, all the power to them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, I like a cocktail that has different possibilities and different avenues to explore um a different you know we'll we'll get to this in a later episode i'm sure but like a sazerac for example Mm -hmm. which every serious bartender has like a preferential way of making a sazerac Mm -hmm. and and their preference if they're just totally asked to do it themselves will be like you know one person's will be completely different than next based on bourbon or rye or how much absinthe or you know what the proportions are Mm mm-hmm Ask a bartender to make you one. They're obviously going to ask you, what do you, what do you prefer? Like, what's your preference? Because 
the end of the day, that's what that's what counts. Um, but it's also it's not it's not so much a good way of what you were saying, like testing the bartender, being mm-hmm. like, let's see what you've got. Mm-hmm. It's more like I'm just curious as like an an expression of your bartending skill and experience. Like, what do you feel like is a good proportion of this? I've had bartenders who just straight up told me like, I don't like to use bourbon in this. I like to do, just use rye. And I can imagine there being bartenders out there who have really strong opinions about whiskey sours. Like, mm. you know, this should not be made with bourbon. It should be made with, or shouldn't be made with Jack Daniels. Mm. Uh, it should be only made with bullet bourbon or something. Um, and and that's, that's an experience, you know, I haven't really ordered one of these at a fancy cocktail bar, but that's an idea that appeals to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And it, it, yeah, it's a, a curious thing to just see people's opinion, educated opinions on, you know, what makes this the perfect cocktail. And because beyond that, it's not like they don't know what they're talking about. It's probably more any difference is kind of chalked up to people's differences in opinion. Like with a whiskey sour, I think a bourbon works better mm-hmm. because it's a bit more fiery and, you know, lighter, which goes really well with the you know sweetness and the acidity. Whereas if I was getting a Manhattan, it's rye all the way because it's a bit like... Yeah, Richard yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think if, if anyone is listening to this who has a very strong opinion about the best way to make this drink, leave mm-hmm. us a comment on Instagram, message mm-hmm. us. We're on Instagram at Everyday Drinking. Um, and I, I'd be really, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to know about that. Yeah, I'd be really curious about that as well. Um, and the other, the last thing I'll say about the whiskey sour is that it is pleasantly easy drinking and not too boozy not too sweet in the perfect iteration and that makes it a very comfy drink to drink all night and uh, makes me feel real good and the biggest measure of that is that i really like genuinely want to make another one right now Um, yeah i think well i don't know if we have enough bourbon actually oh shit Scotch whiskey sour. <laughs> oh, we might be we might be getting into dangerous uh, we territory. We get our there. podcast deleted by powers that be. Before we wrap up, I do want to give credit where credit is due uh, to my information where I stole all my information from, which is thealcoholprofessor.com, uh, uh, written by Brian Petro, his history of the whiskey sour, um, which I learned is like kind of the uh, be all end all source of the history on whiskey sour because every other site that I saw. <laughs> basically ripped off his uh, writing there as well, yeah. as I did. Um, I also want to credit Mental Floss and Claire McLafferty about their little segment on the on the science of egg whites. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, did you see uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last year? I certainly did, yeah. Yeah, uh, you may recall that's Leonardo DiCaprio's character's drink of choice as well. Oh. It's the whiskey sour. Very memorably, continuously makes themselves... Uh, makes makes himself whiskey sours and then forgets all of his lines <laughs> when he's on set, and he has a big freak out in his uh, in his trailer and is like eight goddamn whiskey sours, <laughs> <laughs> eight whiskey sours. Like as you said, it's the sign of a good drink is that you can have it all night. Um, yeah, I think that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Dangerously, I just remember the flamethrower. That's all I remember that movie. Yeah, that that that. And Brad Pitt. On he's the he's had a bunch. Of, well, yeah, you remember that, of course. He's had a bunch of them. Uh, that that uh, brings about the flamethrower, you know. Oh, so you know the night is young, Callum. The night is young. There could be a flamethrower we'll in our future as well. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, anything? Any last thoughts before we sign off? Uh, no. Uh, I want to be like keep drinking, and then I'm like, nope. We need to be responsible about our messaging. Uh, drink responsibly with us, and let us know uh, your thoughts about 
these cocktails. Let us know if we've messed anything up uh, supremely with mm-hmm. my collo- my you know complete uh, guesswork and uh, speculation. On... Like and subscribe. Is that yeah. a podcast thing? Is that just you? Sure. No, you can subscribe to a podcast. Oh, good. Yeah, we're professionals. We don't have <laughs> podcast work. <laughs> I don't think you can. I don't know if you can like a podcast. Rate and review. That's a big thing you can do for us. Well, yeah. If you like it, then you'd be reviewing it positively. Yes. Uh, yeah, we want you to like our podcast. I just, just want to like, enjoy con- it. Enjoy it. Yes, feel, yes. Feel fondly towards it. Yeah. And and subscribe to it. Yeah, smash that subscribe like button. Subscri- no, no, I mean like subscribe to our ideas. Yeah, yeah. We're oh. going to be writing a manifesto that we'll, <laughs> we'll be publishing uh, shortly as well. Um, so subscribe to our ideals and our way of life. <laughs> okay, with that, uh, we are signing off. Yep. I am Julia Haste. She sure is. Oh my god, you're going to leave me hanging like this. I'm Callum Marsh. Everyday Drinking is the name of this podcast. And we're signing off. Uh. I got a brand new sweetie. Better than the one before. Oh.